0: Welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have another great show for you today. We are sitting down with Katherine Harris, who is a nurse. She's a transformational healer. She is a certified clinical aromatherapist. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Great to be here. Yes, absolutely. Um, So, of the modalities that you do, with the nursing, the aromatherapy, and the energy healing, which, what came first?
1: I, it would be probably the aromatherapy. I've, um, I've often, you know, since I was younger, I was really into smells. I'm really sensitive to smells. So like fake smells or like Yankee Candle smells totally give me a headache. I can't tolerate them, but I love natural smells. So I, I, Often found myself in health food stores, smelling the smells there. And I remember when I lived, when I was like 19, I went to an aromatherapy class, and this woman had this little wooden box, and it was filled with all these vials of these precious oils. And I was totally hooked. It was, um, it was such a great way to have just an experience of the plant and smelling the plant. But it was portable, um, and I started to learn about all of the incredible healing properties and the chemical properties of the plant. So I would say that was first and it certainly didn't seem like a um, career at the point but it seemed like something I really loved and then I um, and then in nursing school I got my Reiki certification my first level of um, of that because I knew I wanted to I wanted to do alternative healing I wanted you know I looked at so many different ways of doing it and so many different options but I didn't have I needed to be able to make a steady income. And so a lot of the things that were out there were a little more esoteric and a little more challenging to to make that income. So I ended up um, going to nursing school, but at the same time investigating the world of energy healing. So I got um, my Reiki certification, which was wonderful. I loved that. And then I, I worked at Whole Foods, actually, when it was Bread and Circus um, in Hadley, and I learned a lot about um, essential oils and flower essences and homeopathy and all those things while I was there. So it was great to be in nursing school and be dealing with um, you know health through eating and doing um, supplements and other more alternative ways. It was a fun balance.
0: Mm. Did you find that when when you were studying the Reiki early on and the aromatherapy early on, did you ever feel like there was any um, pushback or any kind of rough edges in the world of nursing
1: with that kind of work? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, that has probably been one of my, I don't know, biggest challenges, you know, is having, and I work in a wonderful setting that is really open to alternative Healing. You know, I work at the birthplace at Franklin Medical Center, which is, you know, it's great. We have water births. We have people come into hypnobirthing. You know, we understand the importance of like music and environment and smell. But even, you know, in my nursing education, even where I am now, the challenge is trying to do the job I have to do, which is rather, in many ways, you know, it's uh, regimented, busy. Uh, sometimes overwhelming it involves a lot of paperwork it involves a lot of um, just managing of your time balancing that with the alternative therapies which um, take time right which you i often don't have hmm. um you know so it is it's a work in progress and i also find one of the biggest issues is that if i do uh, Reiki with someone, or if I do something else I do is um, it's the M technique, which is a massage. Mm. It's a, um, it's this lovely, it's like a hand or foot massage. It's really gentle. It's not even officially a massage because you're not um, digging deep or anything. It's just this gentle kind of touch meditation that you can do with essential oils. It's very calming for people. It's, it's lovely. But if I do Reiki or the M technique or use my oils on someone, sometimes I'm, I go into an alternate way of being you know like yeah I I shift to the other side of my brain I'm very serene and calm and then I have to jump up and answer a bell and it hurts it hurts my brain (laughs) you know like it is um so that's the challenge is is that if I'm gonna if I'm if I'm gonna do um some Reiki on someone I have to create a space in which that's possible um and that's it's hard you know it's surprisingly hard there's also in the world of um Nursing, like we have to have policies about doing the reiki, doing the aromatherapy. We're working on bringing aromatherapy to the hospital right now, which is great and marvelous. But just the the part of my brain I have to use to create this policy, you know, that is, um, if you're in a culture that's worried about liability, it's worried about um, the perception of safety. Just because essential oils are so safe, sometimes it feels absurd, you know, Mm that the level of vigilance we have to have in our wording and the language um, just to be able to offer someone some lavender to smell. So it is an ongoing challenge. I appreciate that people are willing to talk about it. People are um, usually excited about it and open, but that the structure itself of the environment doesn't necessarily allow it to happen. Mm. And then sometimes, I mean, I'm working on that policy right now, and I'm um, also kind of, I just found the Reiki policy at Franklin Oh, yeah. Again, just to um, just to start working on integrating that more. And, um, you know, I'm I mean, I'm not sad that it's taken me so long, but I am. You know, I keep it keeps looping around again or you end up with someone who's um, not sure about the essential oils and the smells, you know, things like that. It ends up being a challenge to do something that's so safe, so easy, so gentle, so loving that sometimes I do feel Frustrated.
0: Yeah. Well it's like I don't know if you ever saw the uh the Plinko game from The Price Is Right, you know, where somebody stands at the top and it's sort of this this little grid and it's you know, you take something that's really simple, like a little flat disc and you put it into the Plinko game and it goes boink, 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 all the way down. And that's what it's like in the hospital bureaucracy. It's like you take this very simple thing and you have to all of a sudden put it through the system.
1: Yes. Yes. And that you never know which point in that system someone's going to be like, no, I don't think it's worth it. You know, so there's a lot of um, anxiety about that because you really want to do it right because you really want people to have access to it. And my um, aromatherapy teacher is actually Kathy Duffy, who um, has a herbarium in Chicopee and lives in Florence. Oh, yeah. she's, she's a um, wonderful LPN and teacher of aromatherapy to people all around the world. And, you know, so much of what she says is like, it's it's hard. It's challenging to get these things through the system, but that you have to keep in mind that, you know, she does it for like the veterans, that she can bring aromatherapy to the veterans and it can change their life and their experience. And so it's worth it. You know, all of those challenges and all of those, um, you know, difficulties is worth it because she gets to see their face when they smell something or when it really helps them. So I try and think of that um, just because she does so much and travels around the world and you know, I figure I can write a policy, Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> when you have that bandwidth, you yeah, know, it exactly, just yeah. takes
0: a little extra sometimes. Well, that's really cool that you're that you're bringing that in. So, what is when you're working in the hospital setting? What does aromatherapy look like? Because I know that working in that environment, there's big signs everywhere that say, please don't wear any fragrance because other people around you might be sensitive. And living in Northampton, there's you can't, sometimes restaurants ask you right before you even walk in the door, please don't wear any scents, you know, because it really is very disruptive. Um, so how how does that work in, in a hospital setting with the aromatherapy? What is it? What does it look like in that setting?
1: Yeah, and we're Trying to figure that out, like how can you protect people from the scent because it is, and I'm one of those people who gets a headache if someone's wearing um, perfume, so I love those fragrance-free signs, except for, you know, it was kind of comical, there's like a new push for the fragrance-free, I think, because there's some allergic uh um, staff members mm. so they um it was just when we were gonna restart the aromatherapy and we had like management was all excited about it and everyone was all excited and then I walked in and those signs were plastered like every six feet around the hospital like yeah. absolutely no fragrances with a huge um red x so yep <laughs> um and pa- I guess I I feel two ways about it part of me is just sad that like just because that is an issue, we have to shut down like an entire organ of sensation. You know, just like the nose doesn't get anything because some people are um, sensitive to it, which I understand, you know, and I really understand because I'm one of those people and I have several coworkers who get a migraine as soon as they smell lavender, you know. So I've directly had to deal with people who are really sensitive and, you know, hate the smell of lavender. Um, But I do, so there are ways Around it is what, um, and the biggest way that we're going to use now is using a plastic personal inhaler. Okay, so that's those little—you know—they're probably like uh, two inches tall. It's a little plastic tube with a hole in the top, and inside is a little cotton. Um, they're like tampons. Yes, that is what it's like. Yeah, yeah I've yeah, seen exactly. those before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then inside is a little plastic um, tampon, not really, but um, and then you put—you um, <laughs> yes. stick it up your nose right. instead of. <laughs> um it has a little bit you can put the essential oil in it and then you put a fixative you know you put like jojoba oil or something that helps it stay and then you have this very contained um scent and so it has a cap so you take the cap off you have a little plastic sleeve with a um hole in the top you stick that in your nose and you inhale so it's great because it's personal you know like i've used that. I make them for kids for test anxiety with bergamot and lime in them. It's really great for um, kind of grounding you and calming you if you're feeling anxious. So, um, and that's worked for a while, you know, because, of course, some testing site, they don't want everybody spraying some smelly spray. But if you have a little inhaler, it might look a little strange, but you can contain the smell and use it. It's, um, so that's our plan, you know, and there's lots of rules about how to create those and how to... um, you know, refrigerate them at a certain temperature and lock and key, all of that. But I think um, that's a way that makes it possible that respects the fact that some people will feel terrible if they smell certain smells. I think we're also looking at um, like citrus oils. Like I think some people might be allergic to eating citrus, but as far as like not too many people are sensitive to lemon or orange or grapefruit, and those are great oils that are really uplifting and can really shift a mood and really um, make everything smell better. Peppermint's another one. So To use the floral oils seem to be a bit more risky as far as people feeling sick about them. Hmm. The patchouli's, like some people, people love that or hate it. You know, so we would try and avoid those oils as well if we're doing. And you know, so so that's the hospital way we're going at it. And we've got um, a group of like seven nurses who are getting trained in it. It's very exciting. We're going to be able to um, implement that all around the hospital. And then we also have some patients who I teach a class that's Mm -hmm. aromatherapy for pregnancy and birth. And so that's specifically on oils for pregnancy and birth because some oils um, aren't safe in that time. And we go over those and they bring like a spray bottle or a um, massage oil of Mm -hmm. those oils. So that's a way you can use it in your room. You know, so we try and have people kind of check with their nurses, is this okay? Mm -hmm. Um, But usually I, I choose oils that aren't super triggering hopefully yeah and of course comes to where somebody can just you know the oils because they're so volatile they do uh disperse really quickly absolutely so the and even someone who's in labor sometimes they'll love a scent and then they will despise it you know and so it's like (laughs) you have to have it be able to leave quickly yes so um so those are some ways sometimes I still do like bergamot is great for courage it's great for um kind of lifting you up if you're feeling really depleted so I do sometimes put a few drops of that on a two by two gauze and just people will smell it. Like if they're really despairing or um, losing hope and that that's, it's like a little green orange from Italy. Like it smells delicious. So I I guess sometimes I'm a little sneaky, you know, so I dry and sneak it in. Um, But officially we'll be using the inhalers.
0: Mm. So if you, so outside of the hospital setting, how, how would somebody receive an aromatherapy
1: treatment, for example? Yeah. So, um, We've kind of, it's, we start with kind of figuring out what's going on for them. Like, what do they want it for? Is it for sleep? Is it for pain? Is it for anxiety? Um, so, and we kind of figure out what's going on, what's the specific issue. And then we, I have a lot of oils. Um, so I, how, how many? Oh my gosh. I have, I, I don't, um, I mean maybe hundreds at this point. Hundreds you know? plural. Yeah, because there's so many amazing oils. You should oh, see the gosh. look on Katherine Harris's <laughs> face right now. She looks so excited. When she <laughs> and it smells so good when you open the box, they all kind of blend together. Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. it smells so good. So I of those oils, I'll take like, you know, ten to fifteen out that I know help with whatever that specific issue is. And then we kind of go through and smell them. So they'll pick if they want like a spray bottle and a massage oil. Or do they want a little roll-on with the oil in it? Or do they want a bath oil? You know, we'll kind of um, have an idea of what it is we're making. And they'll pick the oils you they want. Which is really fun because it's often not what you would expect at all. Um, people's experience of smell is so individual mm. that, you know, something I think smells so good. Like there's, um, what's the name? petty green is the branches of a little um orange tree Hmm. and it smells really good it's great for anxiety it's very soothing but like half the people think it smells like pickles and they are disgusted that I even (laughs) made them smell it um so it's a and I've had like kids um I've had word spread that I could make a good kid sleep spray so I've had a lot of those and the kids pick the craziest things you know things that you wouldn't Um, you know like maybe a spearmint and patchouli and um, rose like just something that aren't traditionally used for sleep and aren't necessarily great together but they pick it they love it and then their parents are like oh my god it works like it works we spray the spray you know and some people call it like the uh getting rid of the monster spray or something like that you know i love that that so they make a little protective barrier (laughs) right exactly yeah um so it's partly the chemistry and the science and this is what's been you know because essential oils are so cool just because like fragrance itself as soon as you smell it and it hits your brain it actually alters your brain chemistry like it really does create a shift and studies show more and more not only are many of them good for fighting germs and helping with wound healing and things like that but they really do shift your mood so like studies have been done with citruses and lavender and so many of the oils that they really are potent and have so few side effects you know like maybe some people don't like the smell or a little skin irritation if you pour it on you Um, so I went off on a tangent. Oh yeah. So we pick, uh, we pick the oils that they um, like, and then we stick them in a blend and we do a lot of, um, smelling back and forth to make sure it's perfect. Mm. And that's also fun too, because a huge variety of people all like, they seem to really like the process and they do find the perfect, you know, it'll be, um, add a little more of this, maybe a little more lemon, maybe a little more rose, and then they get a concoction that's theirs, you know, and I write it all on a post-it so I don't forget, um, because, again, it's smelling all the smells kind of puts you in a place where you're not the best at remembering facts. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then we make up a blend and I send them home with it. Lovely. So we were
0: just kind of talking about how you help people create their aromatherapy blends as well as um, the the brain science behind helping it kind of shift, helping people shift into a different space of relaxation. Um, so how does, you know, like – I guess my question is, I mean, almost the way that you're talking about it, it almost sounds like when you create a formula for people, it sounds like a you're a perfumer, like an aromatherapy yeah. perfumer in a lot of ways with botanicals
1: instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it is, um, it's part of what's so fun is it's so individual. So And in the beginning, and sometimes I have tried to make a blend based on, you know, what my intuition is and what I know would be best for that thing. And it never quite works as well as having that whole process with someone, which is um, the process is fun. It's a great way of getting to know somebody and kind of um, hearing their wants and supporting them in that. So it is, it's this kind of um, collaborative, individualized, and I hate the, the word perfume just makes my head hurt because, it. oh my God, I like my entire senior year of high school, I would put this perfume on that I got that I thought was so great. And then I would feel nauseous and have a headache all day. I thought oh, I had no. some like, terrible <laughs> allergy to something. And it was to my damn perfume that I was wow. putting on every day, you know, so. Um, when but, did you make the connection that oh it was the Oh my gosh, finally, I was like, oh, could it be this thing? I was, it was a long time, you know, it was, um, which is so comical to me, but it just never occurred to me that it could have been the thing I was spraying on. But it took me, I mean probably like six months or something like that. You know, I was finding like this thing when I spray it on me makes me sick. You know I had no awareness of that. do you Do you find that people
0: have the same amount of sensitivities or less or more sensitivities to aromatherapy versus the more like um like chemical perfumes?
1: Um, I would say that people are much more sensitive to the chemical perfumes and it kind of sadly makes them be like, oh, I can't stand sense. Oh, I can't, you know, I have a lot of, um, people who've said like, well, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then I'll be like, well, how about we try peppermint? And they're like, oh, I can do peppermint, you know, and right. how about orange? are like, oh yeah, that's fine. It's right. just, you know, the Yankee candle smell, you know, like when you walk in, it's the, the synthetic chemical, even laundry detergent, you know, like that smell of it's, it's, a concoction that is supposed to be pleasing but for some of us it just is painful you know it just smells terrible and I think recently I saw several articles that the laundry detergent actually isn't regulated by anyone and it's potentially carcinogenic like it's um it's nasty you know so I think obviously I'm biased for natural oils because I'm calling the other ones nasty but yes it <laughs> is um it, it so people have much fewer problems with the natural oils Some people are specifically allergic, like to the lavender. That is, I mean, it's great. It's been shown in studies to really help with migraines. It's wonderful for relaxation. It's a great, um, like germ fighter. It's a perfect oil to start with if you're interested in aromatherapy, but probably 10% of people think it smells terrible and it gives them a headache, you know? So that's, um, I would say specific to, and same with patchouli. That's another one that people either love or can't stand, but, most oils are not as offensive to people as the um synthetic ones
0: what do you like to use for yourself and in what kind of circumstances do you use aromatherapy
1: well so exciting um so i (laughs) i all my you know shampoo and body wash and stuff is all natural usually lavender. I really like lavender. And then I have, uh, roll-ons that I have, you know, I like one in my car. I definitely use a peppermint roll-on, which is a, it's like, again, it's like three inches long, little tube that has a roller ball in the end and you can rub it on your skin. Um, like I rub it under my nose and that I have a peppermint one in the car. A peppermint's great for nausea, great for headaches, great for motion sickness. So I, you know, if I'm behind some diesel truck, I will have all of those things if I don't use my peppermint. So I'll just roll that under my nose and it makes it much easier to be stuck at a stoplight behind like a bus or something. Mm. Also, if anybody's feeling a little queasy in the backseat or something, they can use that. Um, I have a diffuser, which is when you, it's like a little humidifier that you drip the essential oils in and it um, sprays out in a small amount throughout the day. So I'll use that um Depending on my mood, you know, like I'll usually use like a citrus and a peppermint. I love frankincense, um, which is a great, it's a, it's an ancient, um, it's like the sap of a tree. And it's very, um, it's been used in studies for helping with depression. It helps with sleep. It helps with respiratory issues. It helps with skin. It's this lovely oil. And one of the things it does, and they think part of why it's been used in religious ceremony and um, both Muslim religion and in Catholicism they use it uh, they diffuse it with the, the, the smoke the resin, the incense mm. um, and they. It studies have shown that it does something to make you take deeper breaths Really? So you take a deeper breath and that you know continuing to take deeper breaths kind of connects you to the divine and kind of stops the chatter of your mind so it's this really wonderful oil so I try and use that it's pricey um, so I'll usually use that as like a and again like a perfumer, maybe, you try and have like a low note, a medium note, and a high note. So um I usually would, would put frankincense in as a kind of lower note. It's very earthy. Um, so I would diffuse that. And then I have, uh, when I go to bed at night, I have a humidifier. So
0: this is like I'm stretched out, all like yeah, morning yeah, all day. Yeah, to the evening. Thing, the I, love yeah. I love it. I love it. And do you, I mean, is there is there a massive difference between... Uh, the essential oils that you might mix into your uh, shampoo and conditioner versus the aromatherapy oils or are they kind of on par with each other like how would somebody if if they were just going out and purchasing some aromatherapy oils how would they know what is the quality that you would recommend versus something that is sort of just cheapy filled with fillers or whatever right
1: sure yeah yeah that is a huge question and issue in aromatherapy. And my teacher, Kathy Duffy, um, refers to it almost like it's like coffee or like wine. So it's like some are like the uh, gas station coffee, you know, and some are like a really amazing, I don't drink coffee, so I don't know what the best is, like a um, Northampton coffee, you know, that's a um, coffee shop nearby. So- um, You're like, I've seen that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My husband likes that one. So (laughs) Yeah, they are delicious. Um, So- the range is huge, and um, generally, you know, the oils, there's also the world of multi-level marketing in essential oils, so two of the biggest companies are um, multi-level marketing companies, which I don't want to say anything to make anyone feel bad, but they end up, the price is a little more, because you're paying, or a lot more, because you're paying for the people above you and the people above you, so, you know, it's a pyramid, so, you um, those oils are more expensive, so I don't use them um, because for the quality. So in, in the ones that they sell, like the orcasia that they sell at the health food store, like that's fine. Those are fine. I have on my website the sources of oils that I use and that my aromatherapy teacher, like, it's a clinical aromatherapy class. We use them for the clinical setting. They have to be very pure. They have to be tested. You need to have their chemical um, Rundown to have them in the hospital. You need the MSDS sheet, you know, so all that is um so I, there's like there's many small, great companies out there that are family companies that really keep track of where the oils are coming from because maybe even more than coffee or wine. There's a black market out there. so people do do a, a lot Roma of aromatherapy black market It's true because some of it was like a little it takes an acre of lavender. To make a liter of oil, wow! So it's um, it's it's a lot of money. You know, it's a lot of. And for roses, it takes two to three tons of rose petals, like beautiful, lush rose petals picked off the branch, put into the distiller. It takes two to three tons to make a liter.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: So there's a whole world out there. Like when the rose harvest comes, the prices come out. They um, sell it off to who's gonna um, be selling it around the world. Like it's a it's a it's a big deal, you know, and the potential for it being a racket is there. So some people just make fake stuff, you know, they just make a synthetic um, rose oil and try and sell it. Mm. So you do, I've found that I just have to get myself in with some companies that are really trustworthy. I have also found that the, those, the companies that I buy from like um, Appalachian Valley natural products is one. Um, Elizabeth Van Buren is another one nature's gift is another one they're not more expensive at all like they're really great oils they're really um scientifically tested but they also keep in mind that like peppermint is easy to obtain so is orange like it doesn't take two or three tons of oranges you know like you can just squeeze the oil from the rind so a bottle of that will cost ten dollars you know as opposed to the six hundred dollar rose oil so it's all very fraught. It's kind of complicated, which makes me sad when people get so excited because they went to, like, TJ Maxx and bought a whole set of essential oils, you know, because it is um, easy to get fooled. And right. then they don't really work, and they don't really smell great because they're not the right thing. I totally got had, like, last year there was this website where this – I was looking for this specific oil, and they had it, and no one else had it because it, it wasn't a good harvest year. You know, so it really wasn't out there, but I – um found it and then everything else was so inexpensive. I was like, oh my gosh, so I bought like six oils and they were disgusting. You know, they smelled like um, just chemical. Yeah, you could tell right away. I could tell right away. And I was like, of course, Catherine, like that's why they were so cheap and you'd never heard of the company. But also I thought, oh, how sad, because a lot of people, probably buy this and are like, oh, my gosh, this is <laughs> yeah. terrible. I'm yeah. not going to bother with this stuff.
0: Right. Absolutely. That's such a bummer to hear that. I mean, it's it makes sense from a consumer standpoint that we are so far from these, you know, lavender fields and from, you know, the distillation process of roses and all of this. And it's, you know, you just trust. Sometimes you just trust when you see something with a good price and a cute package. And you're totally. like, this is what I need. I've been right. stressed out. But right. in fact... There's more to it, right? Yeah. So, what is so? If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we're chatting with Katherine Harris, who's a, a certified clinical aromatherapist, a registered nurse, as well as an energy healer. Tell us a little bit about um, what what is the process of being a certified clinical aromatherapist. What is what is that
1: process of getting that uh, title? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a course, a certification course, that um Kathy Duffy, who I mentioned earlier, is one of the teachers of that um a nurse in England whose name I've forgotten, how terrible. Jane. What's her last name? Anyway, she wrote this lovely book, Clinical Aromatherapy. And it um has a lot of studies and it's very much made for the medical model, you know, about how to use aromatherapy in a clinical setting. So we use that as our textbook. And we, it uh, meets over like a two-year period. You go for a weekend at a time, you know, two eight-hour classes, and you go over the chemistry, you go over the, um, the history, the cultivation, all of it. You go over, you get to know each plant, um, which is really fun. For each class, you get like five or six oils, you know, and you really get to know them as, I almost said, as people. You know, like you really mm-hmm. spend that whole um, few months between the classes getting to know the different um, essential oils you do a kind of little study on them where you test you know and you write out a case study about how it worked doing such and such and such and such you do a research project case case studies and research projects perfect for a registered nurse (laughs) (laughs) and it was cool because the class it's like I did mine in Boston and it was um, probably maybe 15 of us it was probably three massage therapists 10 nurses four doctors I don't know my math isn't going to be right. But it was a really cool, diverse group. of, And then a couple of just lay people, um, maybe a chiropractor. So it was a neat group of people getting to come together and each using it so differently in the clinical setting. Um, but, yeah, so then, and then there's a research study that you have to present to a group of people. And then there's a big exam at the end, which is harrowing. And then a, a research paper on the research, you know, whatever that you did. That's really cool. What did you do your research paper around? I did um using making a natural deodorant Ooh. with witch hazel, spring water, cypress, and lavender. That's pretty brave to make to test deodorant. <laughs> And I'm someone who usually can't use a natural deodorant, you know, that, so I had people on one side spray the um, natural deodorant and on the other side use their regular. And then they would, which is great because you could compare, you know, in the same day. So, and I brought, you know, like 20 bottles of it to work and had to give the form for everybody to fill out. And you had to have like a... It was, it's involved. And you did it at work, too? I did. That's cruel. <laughs> I did it everywhere. Anyone who was willing to try my deodorant, you know, but, um, but yeah, so it, um, and it did work as well as, they did, I, they worked, you know, it worked as well. Some people used a natural deodorant, so that was a little tricky because it worked like as well as Toms of Maine, you know, but um, it, it, and it does work. It works nice, nicely, and it's got a nice earthy scent, you know, we still use it.
0: cool do people is that available through because I know that you also um have products that you make available for people um to purchase do you do you have that as one of your products I don't I should well I mean if you did all that research (laughs) on it because I know you have the the monster spray for the kids sleep pillow I saw that on your site um and what other kind of stuff do you is popular that you um create
1: people love the sleep spray
0: yeah, sleep you is know, a big issue. It's a big
1: issue. You know, it's interesting. Of, um, I make a uh, spray for focus. I make a germ spray, which is great. It's got this like combination of things that really help with germs. I make a, the sleep spray, um, stress relief spray. I did in the last couple of years just because people were demanding it. Um, but I would say the sleep spray is the one that people have the most trouble with sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Because that has all kinds of effects. Yes. All kinds yeah. of effects throughout the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it does seem it does seem to essential oils really do help with that. So you can um you can spray, you can do a roll-on, or you can diffuse it throughout the room, like different essential oils. Very neat.
0: Your website is um crowladyhealing.com. If anyone is curious and wants to learn a little bit more about what you do and your offerings. Um, how did how did you become the Crow Lady Healing? <laughs>
1: It's so funny. I get asked this a lot and it was kind of intuitive. You know, it was kind of just a, um I love birds. Love them. Always have. And I initially after college did some uh wild raptor rehabilitation. Wow. Where we did um it was so fun. We I lived in Burlington, Vermont, and I volunteered there. So it was um you'd go and dress the wounds of the great horned owl and then mm. you'd, you know, teach the um, you know, help the kestrel fly. Like it was so awesome. And the, I loved the crows. I'd always loved crows. I love their sense of humor. I love their, um, their smarts and their tricksterness, you know. Mm. Um, how do crows have a sense of humor? Tell oh me. Oh my gosh. They, they, um, they're one of the few, um, birds that use, they have huge brains. The corvids, you know, the crow family. They, um, like there are these funny videos of them. Like they'll they slide. There's a golden roof in Russia on some big fancy building. You know, a domed roof, and they have keep wiping the gold off with um, by flying. By, they slide down on their backs. Oh my! You know, gosh. like they love to slide. It's like a big slide they for love them. Um, fun. They um, and they've actually shown to be like they're doing studies with them now, where they can. Um, if someone comes, like if if someone comes with a gun to a I think they call it a murder of crows. That's like a big roosting of crows. They roost together as juveniles in these trees. There's thousands of them cawing. It's um quite a ruckus in a neighborhood. So if someone comes with a gun and shoots one of the birds, they will remember that person and they will remember that they had a gun. So the next time someone comes with a gun, they all know to leave. So,
0: I have heard they have a ma- they can recognize yes. a human face. Yes.
1: Uh, yes. And even they did a study where someone came with a mask on and was disruptive to them. And then they waited several generations later so that no one there in that tree was from the generation where he'd come with the mask on. And he came and they were all, they had the same response. So wow. somehow they pass things on to one another. Oh, which my I- goodness. Also love, but they're um, they're just kind of naughty. They steal things. They I love how they mob the owls and the and the eagles. You know, just um, sometimes it's to defend their young, but sometimes I think they're just annoying. The <laughs> <laughs> so you're the crow lady. Yes, I know. So I love that and part of what I love is the um, everydayness of them. I mean, part of what I think about like magic and reiki and aromatherapy is that it doesn't have to be lofty. It doesn't have to be. Distant. It doesn't have to be something that you strive for out of your household or life. You know, I love. I studied a lot of meditation. I studied a lot of yoga. I went to India. You know, just this whole idea of living a life kind of separate from the mundane and everyday that just wasn't really an option for me because I, I wanted to have a family. I wanted to live in this world. You know, I didn't think it was going to work to be in a monastery or be a meditator or um, only do yoga. So it was like, okay. I'm going to be in this world and appreciate what there is every day in front of me. So it's, I think the crow symbolized that to me, like in a way that the magic, they're so smart and wise and funny. They're in a lot of mythology, not just in Native American mythology, but around the world as the kind of one who kind of sees what's going on and um, you know, kind of tries to remedy it in their own way. So I think I loved the idea. I didn't want to make myself separate or different or unapproachable but I still wanted to have access to the magic you know and the and the beauty and the healing that the natural world and the world around us offers so I think a part of me was took crow lady you know I almost have this image of this woman with this wild hair and this crow on her head you know that's um that's kind of grounded in both spirit and the earth so I think that's um why it came to me and then i had a blog for many years that was becoming crow lady which i didn't even really know what it meant and why i named it that but i um posted for a long time in it you know just kind of uh sharing things about raising kids and my life and and then it was so funny because one day i was like oh i'm all right now it's going to be crow lady crow lady healing you know so it was this kind of unconscious evolution that i don't even necessarily totally understand but um but i just went with it because i love them and it's um it feels right i love that
0: could you have imagined yourself, you know, having traveled, having just ran off and lived on an ashram or or a you know, somewhere else or monastery or something? Could you have could you have delved into that light, that side of of your spirituality? Yes.
1: Yes. And I I I loved the um 10-day meditation retreats. You know, I would do a couple of those a year. You know, I I certainly, you know, I do have some belief in past lives and reincarnation and I certainly think I've done that and I tell myself I'll get to do it again <laughs> because it um it even a nun like anything you know like just I really um there's some a definite attraction and yearning for that that um you know I try and assuage with you know meditation and being out in nature but I do think that I'm one of those people who could have loved doing that but I really wanted a um, family you know and I really wanted you know, I haven't done a meditation retreat since I had kids 17 years ago, just because I haven't wanted to leave for 10 days. But, um, and it's interesting as the kids get older, thinking, oh, would I, you know, maybe I would do that again someday. But, um, but yes, it definitely does call to me. Mm, tell those kids, you've got me until you're 18. <laughs> I know.
0: And then my poor husband's like, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he could go fishing or something
0: (laughs) (laughs) he'd be a permanent fisher and he'd be a permanent meditator i love it (laughs) permanent prayer (laughs) that's lovely so um so you know how do you with all the with all the busyness of of maintaining your work at the hospital trying to bring energy healing reiki doing classes you know how do you and, and trying to harvest your spiritual life and that everyday magic how how do you balance everything
1: I want to you know I it's uh, challenging you know I would I do work part-time three days a week which I think as a nurse as a staff nurse in a hospital to me that's like almost full-time like it can be such a challenging it's mentally job. full-time oh my gosh you know it's um so I I promised myself I wouldn't work more than that even though it would be you know make sense in some ways I I, I don't. Um, so I work part-time. I do get up, I try and get up at uh, quarter five every morning and meditate and journal and spend some time just with myself. And I find if when I do that, I'm much I'm not trying to grab it during the, or steal it, you know the rest of the day from the rest of my life so that lets me be more present. Um, and I would say you know I try I read some, I garden, I listen to things I love when I'm in the car. But I mean, a lot of, you know, I do tapping EFT, which is tapping, mm. which is an energy therapy that's very clearing, you know, and I would say a lot of times just to stay steady, I'm processing, you know, work, whatever happened at work that day, um, what's happening, you know, in politics and in life that day, what's happening just in family life and applying to colleges. And so, you know, so in some ways, much of my day is spent processing that so I can have an even keel to keep doing what I'm doing so you know it's I one thing I struggle with is I never quite have enough time you know I love to write I love to you know that I could spend a lot more time in solitude doing creative things than my life allows but there's nothing in my life I really want to sacrifice and I love being present with my family and my job requires a lot of presence so it's um each day is chock full yeah, you just get it done. Right is what
0: you can. You know, you have your morning time, which sounds very sacred. Right. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, so, do you would um, do you have any kind of we're, we're nearing towards the end of our hour. Um, what What would you recommend if somebody was curious and just wanting to get into aromatherapy? Where Where would you recommend starting?
1: good question there's lots of great i mean online is tricky because there's a lot of because there's such a financial incentive in some of the um educational content of some of the multi-level marketing companies isn't the best way to start but it's the most available okay it's super accessible almost aggressively accessible so i wouldn't start there i would start with um maybe a book or maybe a, um, there are some great courses. I could even, I mean, I could post. There's Essential Oil University, which is a woman who's a chemist. Who's um, She has a Facebook group, Essential Oil University. Maybe it's a page. But she has an uh, on online class that she does that's free that I just was reading about that looked really cool. It might be a little in-depth and chemistry-focused. Um, but I, what I would do and what I recommend to people who are intrigued is I would – go to A.V. uh, Appalachian Valley Natural Products is the company I use usually because they're really nice and they have a lot of sales and shipping is free. I think if it's over $35, I would go buy a couple oils. So I would, just what appeals to you, like maybe a lemon, an orange, wild orange is wonderful, peppermint. Uh, They also have uh, samples. So then you could sample a few of the fancier oils that might you might not want to spend you know 20 bucks on but you can get a few drops of it and get a sniff and i would i would order 35 dollars worth to get free shipping or from somewhere you know order some oils and the peppermint i mean all of those could cost about five dollars each so you could get quite a few oils and i would just start um, smelling them and start using them throughout the day i think there probably are books about beginning aromatherapy but i'm not sure what they are okay um,
0: well, I think that that sounds like a great place to start and some good areas of what to watch out for versus what to, to gravitate towards. So I think that th- that sounds very, very helpful. Um, do you have any? Um, well, and so and you also offer uh, classes within the hospital setting as well. Is that just for people in the birthing center that those classes are offered? If somebody's um, having a having a baby um, up at Bay State Franklin and Greenfield, um, can you tell us a little bit about what those classes are all about that you offer?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's the um, Pregnancy for Aromatherapy and Birth. So I offer it probably like every two months. And sometimes it's, a, um, it's usually a pregnant person. Sometimes it's a doula who's interested in it. Sometimes it's a Often it's the pregnant person's mother for some reason. I get a lot of moms who come, so we'll just make a blend for them. You know, so it's just – it's very relaxed. It's a, um, But I'll just talk about essential oils, how they work, uh, where you can get them. And then we have uh, – you know, I have a tray of, of oils that are safe for pregnancy and for birth. And so we sniff them and come up with either us a, a massage oil that's good for um, whatever pain or discomfort or stress they're having or it's for labor. So there are some oils that kind of uh, – can get people going into labor potentially or are more invigorating or help with the stress of that. So, generally the hospital classes are focused on the pregnancy and birth. Fabulous. And do you have any last
0: words of wisdom that you would like to throw out into the universe?
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess get good sleep, you know, and um <laughs> and um we'll start and, there. And, yes. and meditation, I mean, I know we all hear it all the time, but I just and I used to meditate, you know, before I had kids pretty regularly, but I just started again just for the last year. I've been really diligent about getting at least sometimes it's just five or 10 minutes in a day. And um, it really does help. So I know blah, blah, everyone says that blah, blah, you read that in every article. But if you can start now and just dedicate to trying to do it for the next month, um, it it ends up that you want to do more and more and it expands and it's it's really nourishing for the whole rest of your day. It really is quite lovely
0: lovely. I know. You know, it's it's true. I feel like 5 or 10 minutes of meditation is almost better than trying to work for an hour. You know? Yeah. Or to do yeah. that for an hour It's just get your 5 minutes in, yep. get your 10 minutes in, and it almost leaves you wanting more.
1: Yes, exactly. You're like, "Oh, is it ending?" <laughs> and
0: you stay focused because you're like, "I only have 5 minutes to right. do this." I yeah. have minutes to do this and as soon as that alarm goes off you know you get into the habit of it and it's like it's just so pleasurable yes when you're in it so yeah. those those can be very very effective ways of, of getting your getting your um, relaxation on early starting the day positive well, thank you so much. Um, and give a shout out to what uh, your website is so people can know how to find you and any way that they um, that
1: they can find you on the interwebs or in real life. Great. Um, a crow lady healing, so it's www.crow, like the bird lady healing all one word dot com or you can Facebook. I'm at at crow Lady Healing. I've got a Facebook page. And then I'm also on Instagram at Crow Lady Healing. So if you want to check any of those out, a lot of those are um, nature pictures, you know, that I can't help myself from taking and want to share them somewhere, um, but also different things on my products and classes in a way you can message me if you want.
0: Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And um, I really appreciate being able to pick your brain a little bit about aromatherapy and, and um, hearing some of your wisdom around that. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, So we're going to close out now. Um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Be well.